Coming up next, summer short story number one, A Sound of Thunder. Welcome back to Booking It. This is our summer short story edition. Starting off with the first of our short stories, and my name is, of course, Cooper Cobbs, your humble and eloquent host. And today I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. Tanner Lewis. How you doing, Tanner? Howdy, folks. I'm doing good. Just got back from a three-week vacation. Yeah, Tanner, Tanner, his family, legit, no joke, owns a tour bus. And so they, uh... We didn't actually go up in the tour bus this time. You didn't? Oh. No, we didn't. We went up Whenever Tanner doesn't respond for like three weeks, like, oh yeah, he's probably just, you know, gone. No, that's not actually what we do, but I wish we could do that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it has come to my attention, um, my own attention, that when this episode comes out, it will be our one year anniversary, July 19th. That's right. What do you oh, think about yeah. that, Tanner? That's amazing. I mean, just... I mean, I much better I clapping than you. Yeah, I, <laughs> I celebrate the moment. I don't celebrate the episode that dropped that day. You know, the Hobbit Part One. Bleah. That was fun. Tanner had to leave halfway through it, so he can He doesn't have to claim full responsibility. But we also anyway. don't have. I also don't have to claim responsibility for the full hour episode that took three hours to record. That's true. So yeah, that's true. So we recorded the Hobbit Part One, and then. Was it the next week we did The Hobbit Part 2 and Number of the Stars? And so The Hobbit Part 2, I think it was like 55 minutes, but that was yep. edited. It was an hour and 15 minutes long, and we probably restarted twice. Then after that, we did Number of the Stars, which is not a long episode, but we restarted five times, and one time like 20 minutes through the episode. So it was a long recording, like a three-and-a-half-hour recording session, which we <laughs> have never done again. But My parents were so mad at me. <laughs> I know. Uh, Isaiah and Matthew were irate. It was all I could do to hold everybody together and say, we got to finish this, guys. But anyway, it's been a year. Uh, we've loved it. We look forward to many more years, hopefully. And we got some exciting stuff planned for you coming up. Um, especially, need to get some updates real fast. I know we'll talk about the short story in a second. But, um, so, we're going to cut one short story. We're, we were supposed to do seven um, we're actually going to do six now. We're going to cut the Telltale Heart. Um, sorry if you guys wanted to hear us talk about that. But we're going to... You can go back and listen to our uh, Poe episode on the Pit and the Pendulum that me and Matthew did. And we're going to just cut that one so that we can get back to doing some school books uh, and stuff like that later on. So anyway, yeah. Um, yep, yeah, talking about the Sound of Thunder now, Tanner. So real fast... Do you bring any baggage to this, or any Ray Bradbury-specific baggage? Ray Bradbury, of course, is the author of Fahrenheit 451, um, and Something Wicked This Way Comes. Um, no, I have none, actually. Okay. Yeah, I pretty much told Tanner that we were going to do this story and said, read it, and he, he thus did. I only bring a little bit of baggage to this, so, I mean, I've heard of Fahrenheit 451 for a long time, I guess. So I kind of knew who Ray, Bar- who, who Ray Bradbury was. And then I do a speech and debate program. And one of the speeches that I watched 
was on time travel. It was a digital presentation. And one of the uh, stories that the girl mentioned about time travel in her speech was this very one. And I thought it sounded really, really cool. So I added it to my summer reading list, and I read it. And I said, we got to do this for summer short stories. So here we are. Um, I think the first thing that I want to say is that this short story got time travel, I think, more than any other story got time travel. That's a maybe a big contention, but I don't know. What do you think, Tanner? It's definitely very focused. It's also a short story, so, I mean, you're looking for something specifically focused on it. And it's kind of... That's true. Yeah, it's very focused in on time travel and the effects of uh, said time travel. It's not really. Right, this isn't, it's not really it a story really about this guy. On, yeah, it's not really focused on the story. It's really focused more on the mechanics of time travel. How does that work? How will it affect? I've heard it said some places that time travel comes intrinsically with plot holes, and so you've got to make us care. But this one has. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say no plot holes, but it has the least amount of plot holes. I think for any time travel story that's humanely possible, almost. I would agree with that. It's very straightforward and kind of very. It's a very linear story. There's not a whole lot of back and forth, up and down. I mean, even in short stories, you see that. But I feel like this is a very linear story, following through and explaining how time travel would affect. Um, said humanity i mean yeah here i want to i want to read this part to kind of illustrate um actually real fast before i do that we should probably explain what the story is about do you want to do that tanner sure so it's basically about this guy named eccles who um uh, is going on this time safari where they're going to kill a dinosaur take a photo and leave and uh, um uh, Basically, the rest of the, like, I don't know, it's like 15 pages. Um, yeah. uh, the rest of the story is about him, um, uh, like, all of his time safari guides uh, giving him um, information on how all of the time would, like, collapse if anything happened to it. If they took, like, one step off the path. Yes, the hovering gravity anti-gravity path whatever and uh, then he falls off path and then uh, eventually you find out that he smushed a butterfly and uh, all, the time guides are super mad at him they want to leave him there I don't know why they want to leave him there um, yeah it's kind of stupid <laughs> I mean it feels like that they would that he would just like smash other things to stay alive and only think about himself and eventually slowly destroy their reality um, uh, wow, that felt, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, so uh, this guy steps on a butterfly, he kills it, he goes back in time, and so at the beginning of the story, they were talking about, there's a newly, new election for the U.S. president, and the guy that everybody wanted to win won, and the guy who was like a dictator, and was militaristic, all that kind of stuff, did not win. And then, so when they go back in time, they kill the butterfly, they come back, then basically that guy has been elected president instead of the guy that everybody wanted to win. And so it's kind of the thing of if you kill a one single butterfly, kind of supposed to use your imagination, then it changes the course of entire history. So I want to read this part to kind of illustrate this. All right. S Travis continued. Say we, kill accident say we accidentally kill one mouse here. 
That means all the future families of this one particular mouse are destroyed, and all the families of the families of the families of that one mouse. With a stamp of your foot, you annihilate the first one, then a dozen, then a thousand, then a million, a billion possible mice. Well, what about the foxes that don't need those mice to survive? For one of ten mice, a fox dies. For one of ten foxes, a lion starves. For one of a lion, all manner of insects, vultures, infinite billions of life forms are thrown into chaos and destruction. Eventually, it boils all down to this. Fifty-nine million le years later, a caveman, one of a dozen on the entire world, goes hunting a wild boar or saber-toothed tiger for food. But you, friend, have stepped on all the tigers in that region by stepping on one single mouse. So the caveman starves. And the caveman, please note, is not just any expendable man. No, he is an entire future nation. From his loins would have sprung ten sons, and their loins one hundred sons, and thus onward to a civilization. Destroy this one man, and you destroy a race, a people, an entire history of life. It is comparable to slaying some of Adam's grandchildren. The stomp of your foot on one mouse could start an earthquake, the effects of which could shake our earth and destinies down through time to their very foundations. With the death of that one caveman, a billion others yet unborn are throttled in the womb. Perhaps Rome never rises on its seven hills. Perhaps Europe is forever a dark forest, and only Asia waxes healthy and teeming. Step on a mouse and you crush the pyramid. Step on a mouse and you might leave your print like a grand canyon across eternity. Queen Elizabeth might never have been born. Washington might not cross the Delaware. There might never be a United States at all. So be careful. Stay on the path. Never step off. Which is really, really insane. And it really took time travel to a whole other level which I had really never thought of before. Which is insane. Anything else to say about this part, Tanner? It makes the Avengers look stupid, except they created their own thing so that they wouldn't mess it up their plot line. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of stupid. and Except it makes sense, like just like all time travel. It's weird. Every time travel ep explanation almost makes sense. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a good, good t-shirt right there. Every time travel explanation almost makes sense. That's a great t-shirt right there. Anyway, um, I want to talk a little bit about the morals of this story. What's kind of the point of this short story, do you think, Tanner? Um, uh, hmm. I don't know. It's very, it's very deprived towards the end. They don't really care about you. They only care about them, their reality. Yeah. All right. Trying to come up with more words. Uh -huh. It's you're talking. Me and you talking about off mic about how small decisions could have big consequences. Yes, too. I was. Yeah, it just anything to add about that. Um, uh, I mean, hmm. Words are not coming easy, which is weird for me. Um, uh, the. I guess what I mean is the same is true for the present than it is for the past. You've got to be careful uh -huh. what you uh, do every, any time, because it say, miss say something here, and you could lead somebody down a very different path than Jesus. You could very instantly throw them through the wide gate, lead them off the cliff, um, uh, while uh, you could. In another instance, use this big, large explanation that you thought through and lead somebody and lead one person down the straight and narrow path while you've missaid something over here and uh, um, sent some 
everybody down the narrow path. Just everything has, everything has its little line. Every, like what I'm saying right now, this might impact somebody. So I have to be careful what I'm saying, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. the same is true in the past as it is for the present. Our present will eventually have a future. Just imagine that. God is outside of time. He sees everything that's happening right now. He knows what I'm about to say, and that's going to lead a branch off to uh, some other future for somebody else, maybe. I don't know. But it's just interesting to think of how past decisions affected me to get me here so that I could affect right. more future decisions to other people, right? Yeah, it's kind of insane when you think about it. Like when you when you're just driving in a car and you look out and you see like dozens of other cars, all of those people have a story and, you know, billions of people contributed to that story and, you know, their parents and their parents and their parents and so on. And it's just kind of incredible to think about the scale of all of it. Um, also, don't mess with time travel kids. <laughs> um, yes. What do you think a little bit more about the literary aspect of it? The prose? Was it fine? Was the dialogue good? Any any complaints? I love that he's very down to business. This is a very down to business book. Yes, we are. I, agree. I mean, story, not book. Um, it, it yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is um almost no words wasted. I mean, there's a few words where I'm like, okay, you didn't need to explain that much, but I mean, it just feels very linear, very focused. There's not a whole lot of this isn't J.R.R. Tolkien. We're not going to go over and describe right, the yeah. color and texture of this tree. Um, uh, but it still is very linear, and it is kind of pleasing to me. I mean, I'm kind of in a... I'm in one of my modes where I like one of those very plot, plot-oriented plot books. Not very yeah. explanatory. After you finish Lord of the Rings? Uh, yes. Yes. usually after that I'm like and somebody find me something that uses the least amount of words possible right yeah (laughs) give me give me a fun read give me a pulpy yep I mean for all the listeners I've just finished the Hunger Games so I'm very pumped about that and I will be watching the movies momentarily currently I need to watch Black Widow I probably will tonight yeah I think I think I think it'd be fun to talk about those Hunger Games yes I do too anyway um yeah I think I don't think Ray Bradbury is, like, the best writer of all time. Third Night 451 is kind of written similar to this. It's it's not quite like Hemingway. I mean, like you said, it's very down-to-earth. He doesn't waste a lot of words. It's very easy to follow. But it's not, like, m- magical as Hemingway is. But I have I don't have any complaints with this. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's a, it's a mediocre writing style. It's one of those where yeah. I feel like, Half the writers in the world write like this, right? Not to. Yeah, but Ray Bradbury has better ideas and better exactly. Stories that's than what anything, it comes. So. That's where we start. It's kind of an entire different conversation. But the thing is, that there's a thing that decides a great literary work. Quote: um, uh, Let's say The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings. Great literary sure. work, and then there is the amazing story over here and right. that encompasses right. Lord of the Rings and the, the Hobbit. Hunger Games. It's, I mean, it's kind of unfair to pick Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit because there are you know they're they're one of the I think 
What do you want me to throw you, up there? You can Pride and Prejudice? Anything else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I think that those are some like the best stories of all time, at least. Yeah. You say. I mean, their literary works are over here, and great stories are over here on another hand. Everything, they're kind right. of separated by this, um, this idea of plot and of um, description and uh, essence of the story. Like the down, because there's the down to the business. There's the open. Let's, <laughs> J.R. Tolkien, let's talk about the trees. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's what it is. This story is kind of over here on this other hand where it's kind of in, it's kind of over here. It's not a amazing story. I wouldn't throw it in there, but it's definitely a good story. And it was an enjoyable read. I mean, fast. Yeah. Easy. I didn't have to reread 80 times. Yep. I mean, all good. All right. Anything else to say? Um, uh, not that I can think of. All right. I'm going to do some donor shoutouts real fast. And, of course, if you want a donor shoutout, you go to patreon.com forward slash booknet. The link is included in the description below. And you donate $5 or more, we give you a shoutout on the show, just like we're about to do. So we're going to be simple today. I'm going to say the patron, and then you say the patron, but slightly louder, okay? Okay, because I don't have the notes. I should probably have that shared note. That's okay. <laughs> Nana. Nana. Van Pappy and Wayla. Grand Pappy and Wayla. No, Van Pappy. Wait, Gosh, Van Nana. Pappy? Okay, yeah. I know, well, I haven't, I've never heard that. Van Pappy and Wayla. Oh, no. Mike and Sylvia, Isaiah's grandparents. Mike and Sylvia, Isaiah's grandparents. And then we have Mr. and Mrs. Radsky, Isaiah's parents, Mike and Laura. Mr. Mike and Miss Laura. Uncle Sebby. Uncle Sebby. Aunt Jenny and Uncle Sam. Aunt, wait. Jenny. Aunt Jenny and Uncle Sam. I thought you said Jimmy. And yes, I'm like. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, we got Moses. Moses. Zara. Zara. Chris. Chris. Are you just copying what I'm doing, just saying it slightly louder? Yes. <laughs> Anna. Wait. N- Anna. Nan. Anna. Thank. I thought Nana. you said Nana. Yes, I'm, I'm not. I can't hear. I apologize for Tanner's deafness. <laughs> I apologize. So you anyway, people thank you so much for listening. <laughs> yeah, Tanner has a lot of siblings. Uh, we appreciate it. For don't appreciate you listening. We appreciate our donating patrons. Oh gosh, words are hard. Um. We love all of you. Yes. Tune in next week for what are we doing next week? Oh yes, a case of identity. Yes. Oh, quick! It's gonna be really fun. On air. Have you changed the new, um, our new goal on Patreon? On Patreon. Uh no, I have not. I didn't think we'd like fully okay. decided yet. Have we decided? Yeah, anyway, we'll talk about this later. But yeah, we need to come up with a new goal for Patreon. And if you guys have any ideas. Comment on a YouTube video, or if you're a patron, let us know, because um, we'd love to hear what you guys want us to do next for a goal. So anyway, we love all of you. We'll be back next week with Summer Short Story number two, and until next time, keep on booking it.